Hello and welcome to episode 10 of For Art's Sake, an art history and museum podcast. I'm your host, Rhea. So I want to apologize for skipping last week. Last week, as y'all already know, was quite a lot. Also, as some of you know, my personal life has often been a mess, and last week was no exception. On Monday of last week, one of my family's cats suddenly passed away. Willow was only 10 years old, and my parents really loved her. It was really upsetting and traumatic, and it just it happened so suddenly. She was a very beautiful, long-haired tortie with a checkerboard mouth and that tortitude. She loved sweets and weird toys. Um, like, she had these decorative brooms and stuff like that. Uh, the day after Willow passed away was, of course, election day. And then the day after that, my fiancé was suddenly terminated from his job without explanation. And his boss had sent notice of his termination over text message and then blocked him. So, uh, oh, and he literally got this text as I was confirming my new job. Um, yes, I have a new job. I'm at a seasonal guest advocate at Target, which I started this week. Um, and then my father has been waiting and waiting for months now for his unemployment back pay from the state. Um, as you know, there's been issues with the website and he can, keeps getting different answers and it's been really frustrating. He's out of like $4,000 and it's been very, very stressful. So last week was too much to deal with. <laughs> And I just decided that it was not the week to do a podcast. I was also struggling with whether or not I was going to do a podcast anyway because of the election. Um, I was really struggling with the idea of doing it because we didn't know the results or what was going to happen. And it just didn't seem super appropriate at the time. Speaking of the election, I know that this isn't a straightforward political podcast, but art and museums are not not political um, they're very political spaces in a lot of ways and for a lot of reasons. The Biden administration will be a little bit better for the arts and museums, but don't forget that inside the museums, um, that's where the real issues are. Biden being president does not stop the racism, transphobia, classism, etc. of the art and museum worlds. And then zooming out of museums and art, this is the same thing. Biden is not going to save us in this country. We need to continue to be vigilant and continue to do the work. Biden barely scraped by, and that is a reflection of the true issues of this country, and then some. So please don't think the work is over, or that activism only exists during election cycles, and especially don't think that activism is only for presidential election cycles. If you're going to focus only on elections, okay, can't necessarily talk you out of it if that's where you're at, but there is a lot more for you to do in regards to elections. So, still, the work is far from over. Now I want to talk about the format for the podcast. So the last episode, which was the episode for Halloween, which is like seems a thousand years ago now, um, I decided to not do a current event article um, and not do a question at the end of the episode. I have since decided that I want to try out and see what the podcast will kind of look at like or rather sound like without a current event article. Um, I might, you know, add it in at a different time. I'm not really sure. I just want to play with it. So uh, I hope you understand and just excuse me trying to figure some things out. I mean, this is, I don't know what I'm doing, right? Um, we're definitely going to go back to the question of the week, um, which will still be at the end of the episode.
because like honestly do we really need to talk about every single one you can always look through um on the white house's website which is whitehousehistory.org they have every single presidential portrait starting with the first one um and you can just click through look for yourselves it's kind of interesting to see you know, a presidential portrait is obviously going to have one of the more popular art styles not always necessarily but you can definitely grasp what was going on in regards to art aesthetics at the time so it's really interesting to see how things have changed in regards to the art style the colors the background um you know the type of portrait stuff like that so if you're really interested i highly advise checking it out for yourself so let's start with the first presidential portrait obviously this portrait is of our first president george washington it is an oil painting done by gilbert stewart and it was painted in 1797. this portrait is often referred to as the lands down portrait which i think is very interesting and i guess kind of lays the blueprint for the whole presidential portrait thing of course portraits of elected officials not elected officials you know is nothing new nothing unique so it makes sense for the american leaders to have portraits none of themselves you know non-presidents got it done all the time still do so the actual first portrait wasn't created to specifically be you know a documentation of our first president necessarily it was actually commissioned by the then prime minister william petty the first marquis of lansdowne so he was one to commission that from the artist gilbert stewart um and he used his kind of power he helped with peace negotiations in regards to the, um, the revolutionary war so he just thought it was really important i guess um so he commissioned the portrait got washington to sit down for it he did one sitting by the way and that original work stayed in england for 170 years until it was bought by the national portrait gallery in 2001. Thankfully, there were three copies of this life-size portrait in this style and five similar portraits, which are head and bust style portraits. Like I said, Washington did one sitting with the artist. He was kind of a grumpy man, I guess. Um, I think the most notable thing about this portrait is several years after Washington's death. One of the copies of the original painting was in the White House, and it was in the White House in the year 1814. Now, if you're not local to what I like to call the Chesapeake region, which includes Maryland, Virginia, Delaware, Pennsylvania, and maybe some other states thrown in sometimes, and also not all of Pennsylvania, then you may not know about the War of 1812. But basically, to put it very simply, Britain was kind of mad about the Revolutionary War, kind of wanted some revenge, and then we got a whole song out of it, something called the Star Spangled Banner or whatever. Doesn't matter. In the year 1814, the British stormed Washington, D.C. and set fire to the White House. Dolly Madison, the first lady and wife to some dude named James Madison, managed to snag the Washington portrait as she escaped. Basically, she rolled it up and ran. Visually, this portrait is not a terrible portrait, but the style is very much the style of the time. There's plenty of Republic symbols like the eagles on the table. But my personal favorite part is Washington's expression because he seems super pissed. Now, when I was looking through the presidential portraits trying to find some notable ones besides the one I, I already knew I was going to talk about I basically made note of some like different looking portraits that really stood out and so some of them aren't going to be like super factual based but I do want to point out the style 
Thomas Jefferson's portrait is one of those kind of portraits that stand out to me. He was our third president, and his portrait is by Rembrandt Peel, and it was created in 1800. It's also oil on canvas. Um, Rembrandt Peel is one of the Peel children. Um, Charles Wilson Peel created the first American museum, which was in Baltimore. It's called the Peel Museum. And um, he was involved with the digging up of the Mastodon, which is like this whole thing I'm going to talk about eventually one day. But he was like a notable dude painter and he had children and he might have accidentally killed one or maybe on purpose anyway Rembrandt Peel was also a notable painter and uh if you know anything about his style you can definitely see that in this portrait of Thomas Jefferson I find this portrait very notable because it kind of has like this baroque element to it um so we have Jefferson it's one of those bust and head portraits and it's like there's a spotlight on Jefferson's face so all the detail is of his face and hair, especially the face. Um, it looks like, you know, he was lit by candlelight. The background is almost all black, except for a little bit of color just be, um, behind his head and shoulders. And then you get a little bit of his jacket and collar. But honestly, look at this portrait. It seriously looks, I don't know, not editorial, but it looks like someone is shining a light on him. So I think it's a really interesting style. All right, I kind of lied we are going to talk about James Polk's portrait. He was the 11th president and his portrait was done by George Peter Alexander Healy, who actually painted several um, presidential portraits. And this was painted in 1858. It's also oil on canvas. So I thought this one was really interesting because so far we've had, um, you know, head bust style portraits that kind of had this like um, you know, American Republic strength to it. We've had a lot of sitting portraits, you know, the year before we had John Tyler and he's like sitting in this chair and he has his legs parted and he's holding the newspaper and he's like, look at me, you know, how they do. Sometimes they're looking, um, at the painter or viewer. Um, sometimes they're not. What's really interesting about Polk's portrait is he looks a little bit shy the way that he's standing it is a not full but you know life-size portrait like washington we don't see his feet we basically see from his knees up um and i know that being on the computer you don't have as much detail it is what it is so i don't know the detail of his clothing but what is really notable is he has his hands kind of loosely clasped together in front of him and he is looking away. And just the stance kind of reminds me. It's kind of how I stand when I'm like waiting for my fiance to like get out of the Target restroom. And I'm just standing there waiting to run errands. Um, and there's not a lot of other detail within this portrait. Um, behind him, there's kind of like curtain, you know, fabric. That's, you know, a pretty normal backdrop and then there's like some sort of table and on top of that it's like a stack of letters with a ribbon tied around it and that's it that's really it and I think that's it really stands out to me when you compare it to all the other portraits yes the head bust you know style portrait um is a little less detailed but there's definitely you know something in the face or something else in the background. I don't know. This one really stands out to me. It's a very weird portrait. Next up, literally next up, is our 12th president, Zachary Taylor. And I just wanted to mention him. His portrait was done by Joseph H. Bush. 
um, and it was created in 1848, and it is oil and canvas. I just think this one's notable because it's our first really military-style portrait. Um, of course, there is hints at militarism um, in previous portraits, just in Republican symbolism, but he's literally wearing, like, a uniform um, and has a sword, and that sword has, like, that roping on it. So I don't know the exact meaning of his uniform, like his belt or his buttons or anything like that. But it's definitely a militaristic pose. Next up, we have James Buchanan. He's the 15th president of the United States. His painting was done by John Henry Brown in 1851. And the reason why I'm including this is because it's watercolor on ivory. Now, so far, everything has been oil and canvas, oil and canvas. But this dude, and I'm not sure exactly if he's first, but watercolor. A presidential portrait done in watercolor is just amazing to me. And I like the fact that it was painted on ivory, which is a very, un well, not for the time unusual, but definitely unusual way of painting or thing to paint on. It, it is common to use ivory for that. But I think for a presidential portrait, it's definitely a very interesting choice. It is a pretty simple portrait. You know, we have his shoulders. There's not a lot of detail in the clothing. He has like this high collar and this weird bow tie. And it's kind of like, it reminds me of like um, a daguerreotype, you know, tintype that you would have in your pocket. So it's just really, really interesting to have this like weird portrait. All right. Next up, we have Abraham Lincoln. I'm sure you've heard of him, our 16th president. This was done by George Peter Alexander Healy. Like I said, he's done multiple presidential portraits. And this was painted in 1869, and it is oil on canvas. Now, if you aren't great with numbers, that's totally fine. 1869, that is four years after Lincoln's assassination. You can definitely see the effect of his assassination in this portrait. He's sitting in a decorative, ornate chair. He has one hand clasped on the arm of the chair. He's leaning forward. His feet are in front of him, and he has one hand, you know, the other hand, holding his head in kind of an inquisitive look. So Lincoln did sit for the artist Healy. Um, he sat a year or a few months before his death in 1864. And Healy was able to begin sketching the president. You know, they were preparing to do a portrait. Um, he definitely had those sketches, which he did use. But really, Healy was thinking about a previous painting that he made that included the president. Um, you may have seen that before. It's called The Peacemaker. It's an 1868 painting. And it, it's all about um, the final days of the American Civil War. So this wasn't the official presidential portrait for Lincoln um, after his death. Ulysses S. Grant actually chose a different artist. But Robert Todd Lincoln, one of his sons, purchased this portrait. Um, he really loved it. He said, I have never seen a portrait of my father, which is to be compared with it in any way. Eventually, the Lincoln descendants gave this painting to the White House collection, and this occurred in 1938. This portrait has been a favorite of first ladies and presidents over time. I think that it's a really great portrait. It's similar in style, you know, him sitting. Um, 
to other portraits that we've seen the full length portraits but it doesn't have that republican imagery it doesn't have that kind of like strong presidential leader imagery it's definitely more somber in tone and he seems more isolated as we go on through the presidential portraits you're going to see that the styles begin to change because art is changing the backgrounds are going to get more abstracted um, you're going to see more brushwork that's going to be more visible and you're going to see that kind of abstract detailing kind of loosen up within the portraits of the presidents themselves of course abstract painting has always technically existed but as we get into well technically we're already in modernism but as we get to modernism as we are familiar with you're going to see that very evident in presidential portraits i think what is super notable is warren g harding's portrait he's the 29th president and his portrait was done by edmund hodgson smart in 1923 so we've had quite a bit of a jump what is notable is the background for his portrait it is a standing portrait almost full length He's standing there looking at us. His hands are in front of him. It doesn't have that kind of Polk pose, authority, kind of intimidating thing. But what is notable is the background is completely abstract. You have what looks like the Capitol building all the way in the background. But in the foreground before that and in the background behind the president, it's just almost like a foliage type abstraction. It kind of looks like leaves, but it's really just stamping, blurring painting swatches of colors um it's really really interesting you know at the top closer to the kind of capitol building shape it's a little bit more it, again it looks like you know leaves because it has like a little bit more shape but as we get towards the bottom it's more almost like a color theory painting it is really interesting all right, next up for our stylistic portraits is Dwight D. Eisenhower, the 34th president. This portrait was done by James Anthony Willis in 1967. My dad was 11 years old when this painting was done. Um, this is oil and canvas. I don't think I've said the others were oil and canvas, but it's been oil and canvas, oil and canvas. You get it. So this background is really interesting we have yet another abstracted background what is especially notable about this one is if you look at like corners of the painting the paint is so like loose you can see texture it kind of looks like you know they had like one of those like palette knives or something and kind of went to town on it and i just think that's really cool um and a really interesting choice like if you look down at the bottom uh just above the artist's signature the curtain had like like a swirly thing and of course if you compare the background which is so abstracted and has that texture to that like the chair he's sitting on which he's sitting sideways by the way and like his face it, there's a crispness but of course if you get a closer look you see more of that abstraction and i just think you know you have the different elements of abstraction and just like the the corner the upper right corner it's just so fascinating to me like, just to have, like, little peaks of green and, like, looks like somebody scraped at the paint. All right, next up, we have John F. Kennedy, the 35th president of the United States. This painting was done by Aaron Schickler in 1970. It's oil on canvas. Um, one of the more notable portraits um, for reasons I think we all understand. Now, what's really interesting about JFK's portrait is interpretation 
I know when I look at it and a lot of people, when they look at this portrait, they see somber thinking about his death, how he was not able to, you know, fulfill his term. And he was taken at such a young age. But it's actually more complicated than that. So this was unveiled in 1971. It was created after his death. Um, So all the more decision making was up to his widow, Jackie Kennedy. Jackie Kennedy specifically wanted the style to be different and requested that he didn't look the way I think that we see him a lot in different portraits and photographs. She specifically said to the artist Schickler, which he explained to people in 1981, he said that she said, I don't want him to look the way everyone else makes him look with the bag under his, bags under his eyes and that penetrating gaze. I'm tired of that image. So going by that, he, you know, looked at different, you know, photographs and portraits, not portraits, just photographs of JFK and couldn't really find the exact pose that would kind of resonate with what she really wanted. He actually got the inspiration for this pose from uh, Ted Kennedy, an image of him standing at his brother's grave. And he sketched out several different things and Jackie Kennedy chose this particular sketch, you know, what eventually became this painting. Schickler actually said that the style of the painting is not meant to evoke his death. He specifically wanted the head bowed, not because he want, you know, wanted to portray him as a martyr or to be somber, but he wanted to show the president as a thinker. And what's really interesting, this was said in the Washington Post in 1971 when they unveiled the painting. Schickler said, a thinking president is a rare thing. A lot of people were upset that the president was not looking we couldn't see his eyes you know all the portraits up until now they were looking to the side um looking at us but this is the first portrait that you know somebody's looking down not looking really anywhere where we can see their eyes what i find very interesting about this portrait is the use of color um it's a very almost monotone kind of painting the background is this beige his suit is a kind of a gray beige. What really stands out is his hair and his hands and a little bit of like color on his cheeks, but it's all kind of the same colors. So I just think in terms of color and style, it definitely stands out. <laughs> um, and of course the pose. Next up, I will actually want to jump kind of far ahead again. We're jumping around here. It's George H.W. Bush, the 41st president. Um, This portrait's by Herbert E. Abrams, and it was painted in 1994 in oil on canvas. I'm mentioning this one simply because uh, it's kind of a thing I love about art is quoting other art. Now, we have Bush Sr. standing there. He's holding some paper, hand on a chair, globe behind him. What's really interesting is directly behind him is a painting that I mentioned. And when I talked about Abraham Lincoln's portrait, I mentioned that the artist actually drew inspiration from another painting that he had created of Lincoln and um, Union leaders uh, called The Peacemakers. And that painting is quoted in this portrait. So it's he's standing directly in the middle. So he is covering up Lincoln. But you can definitely tell from this painting um, as it's centered around this president. And you can tell by Lincoln's pose. You even have a little bit of the rainbow. It's not exact 
copy. Um, this The Peacemakers is also owned by the White House. So that's really interesting. So it's something that he definitely had up in the White House as presidents are allowed to choose what art they have, you know, to an extent. But it's really interesting that he specifically chose this portrait that was used to create a different presidential portrait for his portrait. Next up, we have Bill Clinton, our 42nd president. His portrait was created by Simi Knox in 2002, and it is an oil on canvas portrait. What is notable about this portrait, it is the first portrait to be painted by a black artist. What's really interesting about this portrait, it's technically it's not the first presidential portrait of Bill Clinton. So before this portrait, before this portrait, there was a different portrait, which was commissioned by the Natural Portrait Gallery. It has Bill Clinton standing in front of a fireplace, and it's kind of like at this interesting angle. But basically, at, years after its unveiling, the artist Nelson Shanks, who painted the original, said that he added a subtle shadow on the left-hand side of the painting that referenced the Monica Lewinsky scandal. Because of this, and maybe also because of the style, uh, Nelson Shanks said that Clinton hated the portrait and he wanted it removed and then decided on this other portrait. So <laughs> next up we have George W. Bush. Sorry, my cat's ear was twitching. He's the 43rd president portrait by John Howard Sandin in 2011. As you may have noticed, there's a pattern occurring at this time where there's multiple portraits for presidents. So some of them are more official than others, right? Okay. So the official White House portrait was, again, created in 2011. It was unveiled in 2012 by John Howard Sandin. Um, but this wasn't the only portrait, and it wasn't the only one to be revealed to the public. I'm actually going to explain all of this confusion after I finish. So the second portrait, the first portrait, actually, the non-official one, was painted by a different artist, Robert A. Anderson, and it was unveiled in 2008. And this was notable because it actually was un unveiled before Bush left office, which was uncharacteristic for that time. Stylistically, for either, there's really nothing notable, I would say. You know, it's a pretty typical presidential portrait, typical of the time. We're going to move on to Obama. <laughs> So technically, Barack Obama has three presidential portraits. And again, I'm going to explain things. Anyway, so one, the official White House presidential portrait of Barack Obama is also the first digital camera portrait of a president. It is the first digital photograph. Um, it's the first photograph to be a official presidential portrait. It was taken in 2009 by Pete Souza, who was the then official White House photographer. He also covered um, Obama's career as a senator, and he also was Ronald Reagan's White House photographer. He used a Canon EOS 5D Mark II. Then Obama, in 2014, took the first 3D presidential portrait, which is interesting. It was a whole like wall of cameras or whatever. Obviously never done that before. And then finally, I think the one that we all know is the 2018 unveiling of two beautiful presidential and first lady portraits. So the portrait of the president was done by Kehinde Wiley. 
And he is a notable artist, even before Barack Obama, um, for his really awesome portraits of black men um, in these really heroic, historically heroic poses, um, often featuring like rappers um, and like these really gorgeous, colorful backgrounds, like rich colors painting like it looks like you can put your hand into the painting and i remember the first time i ever walked into a room and saw his work and i was just like wow <laughs> um so his portrait his portrait is really interesting um it has obama sitting there and behind him is all like these flowers these flowers are symbolic the chrysanthemums which I'm sorry, I cannot pronounce that, represents Chicago. And then there's a Hawaiian flower, which I think is pronounced pikake. Hopefully. Um, and of course, that's representing Chicago and Hawaii, which are Barack Obama's homes. Now, when you look at the different styles of presidential portraits, official or not, again, I'm going to explain what that means. Um, these stand out. These this portrait is so colorful, so amazing, which makes sense. You know, this was our first black president. Um, and just, I don't know, the just gorgeous paintings, really. And of course, um, Michelle Obama's portrait was done by Amy Sherald, who is a Maryland artist and painted in her um, specific style using a gray tone for black and brown skin and which was upsetting to a lot of people but that is her specific style and it's just to look at these super contemporary paintings these you know first they capture the contemporary art styles of this time right now the different types of styles right now in contemporary art and then also just to compare it's just ah it's so cool So now we're going to end with Trump. Now he does have an official presidential portrait, which is a photo. Now he does have an official presidential portrait, which is a photograph that was taken um, the day before his inauguration, which is uses on stuff, but he does not have a portrait painting commissioned at this time that we know of or any plans to do so. What's really interesting is that in 2018, he actually signed public law 115-158, which prohibits the use of federal funds to pay for an official portrait of any federal office, official or officer, including the president, vice president, member of Congress, the head of an executive agency, or the head of an office of the legislative branch. Now, what's interesting is that actually presidential portraits have not been using public funds. Um, most recent presidential portraits have been privately funded or have been commissioned um, by a museum using different fundraising methods. But I guess this was an important law. I really don't know. Why are there multiple presidential portraits? Why do we know some? And then it turns out those aren't technically the official portraits by the White House. That's because the White House can commission their own portraits and also own their own portraits. But then there's the National Portrait Gallery. Now, the National Portrait Gallery technically owns most if not all of the portraits um of the presidents some of them are owned by the white house the white house does have its own collection but a lot of the art that presidents put um, within the white house is actually on loan from the national portrait gallery to begin with so that includes presidential portraits and they have you know the other portraits and the official portraits too um they 
are able to commission their own presidential portraits, which are some of the more well-known portraits, um, the more controversial ones, if you will, either in how they were described or because of the differing style. So Obama's portrait, the contemporary portrait and not the photograph, you know, the photograph was done by the White House, by a White House staff member, and the portrait by Wiley was done by the National Portrait Gallery. And that's why it was unveiled at the National Portrait Gallery. That's why we have different, differing times, like with Bush, you know, the more official, you know, it's really complicated if you think about it. So I guess, and I'm not sure exactly, the president can really choose what is going to be considered more official than other portrait, like with Clinton. If you don't like something, you can destroy it. That's what um, Teddy Roosevelt actually did with his portrait. I don't find his portrait remarkable or notable with in any way, but the original portrait he was upset with because it didn't seem as masculine and people bullied him. So he had it destroyed, which is just absolutely bonkers. So I know that's really confusing, but basically presidents can get their portrait commissioned by different entities, National Portrait Gallery being the main one. Um, and of course, Obama did that 3D portrait, which is a notable presidential portrait, um, which is owned by the Smithsonian, but it was not done by the National Portrait Gallery. And then, you know, what's really cool is he did have his official portrait done by an actual White House staff member, which I'm not sure if that was done before. Presidential portraits are very interesting because, you know, before portraits were a way to document what people look like and you had to sit there and it costs a lot of money. It was not cost effective. Not everybody could do a portrait. But as, you know, photography has become a thing that, and has allowed image and memory to become more accessible, the kind of need for a presidential portrait has definitely changed and it's just something that's more of a tradition because we have so many images of the presidents um, once we have photography, especially now. Um, we, we have like, a you know, the, the press corps, you have official White House photographer if you ever get that, like with, you know, Trump doesn't have one. So it's just a really interesting thing that kind of exists and we can debate whether or not it needs to exist. You know, do we need to have a painted portrait of the president to be officially recognized by the White House? Or can artists just either be commissioned or just create their own images of a president? What will make it more official? Does it have to be commissioned? Or what if an artist is like, hey, I'm going to paint this painting of Obama. And Obama's like, hell yeah, I really like that. I want that to be my thing. Can, you know, that's so complicated. Of course, it didn't happen like that. But it's definitely something that I kind of think of. Now, I wonder if presidential portraits, the official portraits recognized by the White House as official, are those going to just be photographs from now on? Is there a need or desire to continue the oil on canvas or other, other painting method? You know, are we going to see Trump do a painting? I can't actually imagine him sitting down for like any sketching or anything like that. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see what comes out of this administration in regards to presidential portraits and what we're going to see in the future. Um, I, I know it's something that isn't necessarily priority or important, but it's definitely in regards to our history, something to think about. I've definitely um, remember saying 
know, presidential portraits of different ones. Um, seen a few, few times um, at the National Portrait Gallery, and I highly recommend it um, if you are at all interested in United States history of painting, um, presidential paintings. It's definitely something that if you're interesting that you should check out. Um, I didn't actually see Obama's um, painting in person, but I did see Michelle Obama's, and it was really cool to see because just Amy Sherald, you know, being from Baltimore, it's just, it's really awesome to have her kind of boosted. Like now she painted the first lady and it's like the amazing, famous, iconic painting now. And it's only been a couple years. I think it is also important to mention that presidents are people with power and, you know, this is America and the position of the president comes with a lot of terrible things, especially now presidents no matter who they are, what music they like, you know, who they're friends with, what celebrities they hang out with, they are in positions of wealth and immense power that includes variations of colonialism, whatever, you know, that year makes colonialism out to be, and of course, imperialism, whatever that, you know, shapes up to be that year, whether it be drones or a whole made-up war. And I think it's really important to continue to remember that, that politicians especially presidents, are not celebrities. They're not cool people. They're not somebody to necessarily be idolized without any critique. And the critique is perfectly okay. It is, of course, all right to look at these presidential portraits as something as, you know, an art object or even find the style cool or interesting, you know, how symbolism is used or how style shows the times and how things have changed. And I think that can exist in like a different sphere, but we definitely need to still think that these are human beings with immense power that hurts a lot of people and affects history for a very, very long time. So we need to kind of step back from, you know, his portrait by Wiley. Obama's portrait is really cool, but we also have to consider the deeper implications of a presidency and that Obama's not a celebrity and he's not like a cool singer or anything like that. And I hope that we just remember that. And stop thinking George W. Bush is cute now. He's not. Enough of that. I don't care how much he paints. Anyway. <laughs> I just think, honestly, portraits of rulers and leaders is really interesting and important because they definitely give us a frame of reference in regards to like what was important to people aesthetically, which is also just what is important in society, you know? What are we trying to say with these portraits? You know, the way they stand, the clothing they wear, their pose, the pose of their hands or feet, they're saying something because if you're gonna sit there and get a portrait done, you're gonna say something. So, you know, as we look at portraits, you know, from like the 1800s, 1700s, 1600s, go on and on and on. It's still important, you know, as we get into more contemporary, American politics to still try and see what an artist as well as, you know, White House staff, what the president are trying to tell us and trying to tell future generations. So, you know, I don't, I'm not saying write off presidential portraits because presidents aren't cool, you know, like cool people. What I'm just saying is like, don't completely make them into celebrities, you know? Um, and also like, when you look at these portraits, some of them are really boring, but they still can be tools to understand American history. So don't write them off just because they're boring and I didn't talk about them today. 
I definitely vented and ranted a lot there and rambled, but I haven't talked. I haven't done the podcast in over a week now. So it's like really exciting to like talk about art. Um, it feels really good. So I hope that you liked that and you appreciate that even just a little and I didn't annoy you. All right, so since last episode I did not ask a question, I don't have any answers, but I hope that you had a good Halloween and you stayed safe and you continue to stay safe, especially as COVID cases are rising at this time. Um, And I have a question for you this week. If you were to get a classic portrait done of yourself, what would you show in your portrait? Now I'm going to give an example. You know, I would probably have one of my cats or all of my cats, even the dead ones, in the portrait with me just because they were important to me. Um, I might have some cool earrings because I like to collect earrings. And I want to, like, point at something because I want to, like, cause some mystery. So what would you have in your portrait? You can email me with your answers at forartsakepodcast at gmail.com. That's F O R. A-R-T-S-S-A-K-E podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, my name is Rhea, and this is For Art's Sake, an art history and museum podcast. Take care, stay safe, and I will talk to you next week. Bye!